1: We thrive. I am Sandra Primo and
2: I'm Tammy Salas
1: and we are the Unruffled.
2: Hey Sandra. Good morning. How are you my friend? I am good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm finally recovered. Think. From she From recovers. She recovers. <laughs> um, I only say kind of because I'm. I could still sleep for days. I think. I know, isn't it? It's
1: kind of ridiculous, right? I mean, <laughs> I feel a little bit like a some kind of precious snowflake. I should be <laughs> on are. with it already. I'm. I am. Thank you for acknowledging that.
2: A precious <laughs> and snowflake in a cupcake me. dress. Yeah. Okay. Everyone loved our episode, and the people who didn't have not said, but (laughs) I really appreciate all the love. I just, that episode, when I re listened to it, you know, for the breaks and things and going through it, I just had the biggest smile on my face.
1: I did too. I I did too. I hope it, um, yeah, I hope it didn't annoy those that weren't there too much I mean yeah, I we've gotten some responses from some that um didn't go and they were thrilled by it yeah, thrilled they were so, so nice they were so know, yeah, everyone's everyone
2: really nice. sweet which is still just making me you know high as a kite from all that too so um yeah it was good. I thought about it after we recorded, of course. I mean, there were so many people and so many interactions and so Oh we could have it's like, there yeah. could have been a list of <laughs> page long of all the shout outs I wanted to give,
1: yeah. honestly. It's like once I would have started I wouldn't have been able to stop or I would have left someone out that yeah I didn't mean to. But there were just so so many um women we could have mentioned.
2: Yeah. So we anyhow, it's still like the, the glowing after the event, you know, still feeling I like. I know. Kind of and blessed. then I got Erin
1: uh, Shaw Street. Oh, that's one right. For night. I know. So I got to see her two Saturdays in a row. Lucky. Which I know. I am lucky.
2: <laughs> so what did you guys do? So Erin Shaw Street, for our listeners, if you don't know her, which you probably do, but she um, has the Instagram handle Tell Better Stories and her website as well. Um, Right. uh, Besides her other work that she has under Aaron Shaw Street, um, under that website, but just what did you guys do? Well, we, so she was in Austin
1: for a travel conference and she was staying at the exact, hello, thank you universe, the exact, uh, same hotel where she uh reached out to me about two and a half years ago and um it was the place where she had her last drink. Oh,
2: I know. Wow. That had to be I, really emotional.
1: It I mean, was I a little emotional. Yeah. But it was also like freaking miraculous too. Yeah. Um I mean, you know, we both have gone through transformations and just standing out on that sidewalk in that very same spot we were just like look at
2: us you're making (laughs) me cry god look at us
1: it was just really uh i just will we'll always have that special connection yeah um she and I will, and you know that's available to you anybody. You know you you do have connections with those women that you, um, not that you saved. She saved herself. I did not save her, but um, I was there
2: for yeah. her on her day one. I was there on her day one. Just for our listeners that don't know, you can go back and listen to our interview with Erin Shaw Street, and she kind of explains like what Sandra's talking about, and and so. Has it been two years? Two ish? Two about two and a half years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
1: we had a few moments there on the sidewalk and um then we went to a place called Holy Roller, which is a fun little kitschy sort of place. They have mocktails on the menu. Have
2: you told me about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, so we had some good mocktails. And then we just weren't done with the She recover stuff. We were still just <laughs> like solving the world's problems uh-huh. at, uh, at dinner. And um, she's a fire starter, that Erin. She's a really good person to bounce ideas off with. And um, she's a strategist. She called herself that. And I thought that was a good term for her. She was good at that kind of power for sure. It really is her superpower. And thank God that is not dulled anymore because she is, she's, she's got that energy needs needs uh, to be available <laughs> yeah
2: oh, <laughs> um so when are we going yeah. to Al- Alabama
1: we talked about that <laughs> we're going to Alabama we have to
2: do our world tour Sondra we've got to get this we got to get this going We got to find maybe a sponsor for that trip we well, need to we talked uh, yeah. about it we uh-huh. talked about it for sure so we will
1: it we will the three of us will have to powwow on that soon because yes um We could monetize it somehow. We could make it an event or we could just go there and go thrift store shopping. We'll see.
2: Okay. So um, we'll chat off air is what you're saying? Yeah, we can (laughs) chat about that. We're
1: going to chat about that. But it was a great – it was so good to see her. But, yeah.
2: That's a full circle moment for you and her, but also from the conference too. It was one week to the date. you guys could download Mm -hmm. about that. Oh, yeah. well, I'm so glad you got to see her. It makes me really happy. Really yeah, pretty. same. Um, yeah. Let's see. I was going to share this week. So I've been like kind of get trying to get back in the groove. Mm-hmm. You know? and, How's and, that like, going? Um, <laughs> slow, <laughs> very slow. <laughs> uh, but that's okay, too. Like, it's been yeah. all right. Um, the one thing that I recognized, and I, I, this is going to sound maybe overly dramatic, but I feel like I really worked out prior emotionally worked out prior to going to she recovers. So, I feel like and that might sound dramatic to some like there is this post thing that happens after an event. You've just been hit with all of these really emotional um topics and interactions with people and energy of other people. And I feel like um I prepared myself for going because I had known from the last time. Um, but I have to say, like, the last time I think I shared, I got on the plane after she recovers. New York and I just watched the Kardashians. And mm-hmm. I was just, like telling Natalie, like, don't judge me right now. Like, I can't hear mm-hmm. any more Beauty and Truth and um, <laughs> right. Like, I can't. I just got to watch the Kardashians. And he's left. So, <laughs> so yeah. what I did this week that I think you'll enjoy. Um, I found myself doing the same thing, even though it wasn't immediately after. But this whole week, I have been binge watching *Orange Is the New Black*, mm, and I was well, like, "Oh, same thing. I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm kind of just escaping, not having to think too deeply about anything. Although I have, but you know what I mean. Like just kind of, I don't know, just checking out and, a little bit."
1: And Mackenzie Phillips, you yes. you you're supporting our sober sister, Mackenzie Phillips, right? She's
2: good in it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they have this character are have you watched it i don't watch it but okay. but my husband does and and when i reminded him that she was at the conference he was he said you know she just about saved that that mm-hmm. that um what do you call it um um hmm.
2: season for me yeah she it, it so some of the seasons were really dark right and Right. The the one right before the the riot broke out in the prison a couple seasons back, like, it was dark. And um, I had watched Orange is the New Black when Casey was really sick. And I couldn't watch it after she passed away because it just reminded me, like, she was watching that, like, nonstop when she was, uh, you know, getting her uh, chemotherapy and radiation and stuff. So, for me, I didn't, I can't watch Frankie and Johnny. Wait, what's that other Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, the yeah. one with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. I can't watch. I can't watch mm-hmm. that one yet either because that's another one that that she and I watched together. But yes, Mackenzie Phillips. <laughs> the dynamic with her and the woman that plays her sister, and they've been in there for like 30 years. So to see them, to see them. Um, as yeah, they have the younger them, and then they show the older them, and their hair is like the same '80s hair. So it's <laughs> fantastically funny when they're always in, they're always getting their hair. Uh, one of them is always getting their hair done, Carol, and then <laughs> Mackenzie Phillips is Barb, and it's just interesting. She runs C block, and the other one runs D block, and it's like gang warfare, and it's it's very. Uh, it, it illustrates a lot of really good points. Anyhow, so I've been binging on that, but um, I'm ready. Good to, for you. I'm ready to get back to work. You know. get back to work and get off the couch. So, um, do you have stuff going on that you want to share before we jump into Um, our interview?
1: Sure. I do have one thing I'd like to share. So if you are in the Austin area, we, um, uh, me and some Austin friends are planning a little meetup. Um, we don't have all of the details ironed out, but we do know that it's going to be on Friday. October 12th. And we are going to meet at the Sands Bar. And if you don't know what the Sands Bar is, it is a spirit free bar that is open only on Fridays. Um, you can look them up on Instagram. I think it's just Sands Bar, S-A-N-S-B-A-R on Instagram. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, and I'm going to post about it there. They open at 8, so I don't know if we'll be right there right at 8. It might be 8.39. Like I said, all the details haven't been ironed out. We, we're we even going to have maybe a light dinner before that, too. Don't know where yet. But we have
2: the date, Friday, October 12th. So people in Austin should save the date. Yeah, it's just a very
1: um, low-key meetup. I think Chris, the owner of Sands Bar, even gave it a theme, and he's calling it Social Media Meetup Night or something like that.
2: Oh, I love it. I, I love know. it. Well, um, and also, if people want to join our secret Facebook group, just send us a Facebook friend request. And I'm asking that people, because I'm getting a lot of different messages and I'm getting confused where everybody's asking to join things. But if you want to join the Facebook group, please send me a friend request or Sandra and then DM me and say, please add me to your unruffled podcast, secret Facebook group.
1: Right. Right. That. Because yeah, because if you just send us a friend request, I, I, I'll friend you, but, um, you know, I'm not going to automatically add you to the group unless she asks. So yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's where you posted a, a thread there too about it. Right? Yeah. And, that's yeah, the and best I'll, place. I'll yeah. be posting it there again as well. Oh good. Yep. Good. I just started following you- SANSBAR on. on. Oh, yeah. It's S-A-N-S underscore B-A-R. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I thought yeah. I was following them, but I guess I wasn't. Um, I have a real quick thing to share as well. Mm-hmm. I We're having a women's circle up here in Northern California, and that is going to, going to be taught with Natalie Fairbrook and Nikki Hale. Nikki was just on our show a couple weeks ago. And nally has been on our show and, you know, she's my sidekick, my travel wife. Uh, She's she's going to be leading the circle with yoga and meditation. I'm going to be leading an exercise about morning or about ritual and gratitude. And Nikki is going to be leading an exercise uh, about the life, death, life cycle and creating um, pocket mini pocket altars. So it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be October 20th from 11 to 430. It's at Soul Yoga in Santa Rosa, and you can register for all this or, or read about more details about the event at nataliefairbrook.com. And this week, my books arrived, Sandra. My Yay, new blurb I saw books. them. They are beautiful. Oh, I'll send you one. They're so, they turned out so pretty. Um, Caitlin Schumacher, who does the music for our show, helped me kind of with some Tech, getting over a technical hurdle. And so, um, she helped me with that. And then I worked with somebody at blur books who was fantastic with their customer service. I have to say you've inspired me, but go yeah, ahead. yeah. Talking. No, that's it. That's it. So I, I I've been, I got the books on Saturday and shared it on social media and I have been sending books on Sunday. I I filled all the orders from last night. I already have orders today. So I'm super excited to just kind of get them out into the world. So if you are interested, uh, there's a link in my bio on Instagram, but you can always go to my website, uh, TammySolace.com, and it's in the store there. And if you buy this new updated version of my book, you will also get a free ebook with it. So in case you want to read it on your device, you'll get both. You'll get a hard copy and a free ebook is kind of the deal I'm offering right now.
1: Nice, yeah. nice, yeah, you've inspired me. I'm gonna oh good, yeah, now that it's the year is'll uh, we'll be the end of the year'll we'll be here before you know it. Um, I'll be probably pushing my ebook again, oh, um your daily unruffled, my three hundred and sixty five days of reflections and prompts for creativity and recovery. anyway, um, but yeah, you've inspired me. I thought well, maybe I should make it a book book. Yeah, I had to look into that.
2: I know your book is so, I have it right here because I I had it bound just at the Kinko's or the FedEx or whatever you call it. And I love having it so I can open it up on any day and just take inspiration from it.
1: Yeah. And you gave me a a hard bound copy of it too. And you're right. There was something about, especially a reflections book, I think, you know, being able to turn to an actual page. Um, it's just, uh. I don't know. I think people might engage with it a little more if it was an actual book. So anyway, looking into oh, that. Oh,
2: well, good. All right. So, yeah, that's all about us, but yep, that's, <laughs> let's get that's to our guest. to it. <laughs> so, um, as we, uh, to share who our guest is today, I just wanted to tell a really quick thing about just, we've been talking about social media, making connections. Um, our guest today is Sabrina Ward Harrison. And, I saw Sabrina on Instagram as she was commenting on on some of our Sober Sisters feeds. And that kind of piqued my interest because I had been um, aware of Sabrina's work um, for, gosh, 15 years. And I checked out her books from the library before. And um, so I reached out to her privately on Instagram and asked if she, you know, know one of us (laughs) and uh, she was but she was not ready to come out with that and so uh, we did a little corresponding. But she reached out to me this summer and said hey I'm approaching my two year and I'm ready I'm ready to talk Mm -hmm. about this and so she's going to talk about that with us today and this is where she's sharing it so I'm sure she's probably well I don't know what she is but I would imagine it's a little nerve-wracking sometimes to be on a podcast but then to also come out with your story Uh, of how you got to sobriety. So we're so glad she trusted us with it.
1: Yes. Very honored. Very honored. Um, I will tell you a little bit about Sabrina. Sabrina's the creator of five groundbreaking published books. The first one, Spilling Open. Spilling Open was published when she was just 23. She's gone on to publish Brave on the Rocks, Messy, Thrilling Life, The True and the Questions, and The Story
2: is Happening. Uh, Yeah, and she was born in Montreal, Canada, and moved to California with her family when she was nine. Uh, She went on to study photography and graphic design at California College of the Arts in San Francisco. She has taught creativity worldwide for two decades with a belief that she holds strong to, that we must create what we most need to find. And after all these years in Northern California and New York City, she is currently exploring the Midwest in a wonderful city, of Madison, Wisconsin, which reminds her of her childhood in Canada. Yeah, she does a lot yeah. of different things too. She's she does. She, yeah, she co hosts a, a podcast,
1: guys, too, called Room in the Trees um, with her co host Trent Reynolds. Um, and what else? She's launching a new online class.
2: Yes, yes. Called Untether. Yeah. And that's going to begin October 6th. So if you guys, you know, if this resonates with you and you like her work and you you know, just are interested in her process, um, you can check it out on her website, which is Sabrina Ward Harrison dot info info. And if you want to follow her on Instagram, Sabrina, uh, Ward Harrison mm-hmm. and gosh, what else? I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm second guessing myself here on something, Sandra. So let me just really fast. I want to look and make sure I've told the correct Instagram. Um, you did. I did. Okay, perfect. I just mm-hmm. I thought there was mm-hmm. been an initial, but perfect. Um, so we hope you guys enjoy her as much as we enjoy talking to her and about her creative process and her story. Yes, you guys enjoy Sabrina. Welcome to the show, Sabrina. Thank you so much, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. So, is it, you're in Madison, correct? I'm in Madison, Wisconsin.
0: Yes. Oh. And, and so, what's so, it like this morning over there? It is beautiful. This mm. time of year, it feels like you're like biking through a postcard. It's just <laughs> this crisp, beautiful, bright light, and uh, it's a. It, I moved here. Just because I was so drawn to how peaceful and kind it felt here. Mm. It, it um reminds me a little bit of Berkeley, but also mm. reminds me about a bit of Canada where I was born. So it just has this wonderful, and it it's bet- it's on an isthmus, so it's between two lakes. So it has this beautiful sense of light and it doesn't there's never fog here or anything. It just it, there's a lot of reflection, I find. So
1: wow, that sounds beautiful. I'm so yeah. jealous of anyone who experiences seasons because I live in Texas, and we only have two hot or <laughs> less than hot
2: <laughs> right. right and i live in northern california where it's still foggy and gray although it's turning september is turning into our summer um but all yeah. summer long it's been gray so our summer mm-hmm. indian summer is finally here
0: right yeah. i remember that
2: oh yes because you because you lived up in northern california well we're going to get into all kinds of things and let our listeners yeah. learn about you today sabrina um and I have chatted you up in the intro because I am a fan and I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show today and going to, and we're going to ask you to share your story like we ask everyone else. And we hope that that can kind of unfold into, uh, sharing with our listeners more about you and your art and your work. Um, but first of all, we're going to ask you about your drinking story and just, mm-hmm. say, um, you know, what did that look like for you? Um, and how did, how did you come to the decision to stop drinking?
0: Jump right in. (laughs) Okay, let's go there. So I really look forward to talking about it. So I'll I'll kind of start from the beginning of just a little bit of background of my growing up and so on. I um, was raised by in a home that didn't really have alcohol in it. My dad had stopped drinking in his early forties, so I I guess I was that was maybe when I was like ten or eleven. But it wasn't something I had noticed. Um, around in those years of, um, early adolescence or anything like that. And, um, I didn't drink during high school really. Um, and I remember really clearly my dad once warning me, he said, you just, you've got to be really careful with, about, with alcohol, you know, his mother, my grandmother, had died very early of alcoholism when she was in her fifties. And my dad would talk about how he'd never seen her sober once in his life. Mm, and he sad. would talk about he had this visual this memory of of seeing her in the morning and that there would he would she would hide her vodka behind a pillow, and so he would feel behind the pillow and it would always be cold where a drink had been. Mm. And there was just this haunting. I'll never forget kind of that image in my mind of this sense of, um, of hiding alcohol. Um, so, and I always thought that was crazy. You know, who puts vodka behind a pillow and is, you know, in the morning, that's just crazy sounding. And, um, so I was, you know, went off to college. I went up to art school. I was doing, I discovered photography and when I was in later in high school um and I went off to cca ccac now called cca california college of the arts in um oakland and san francisco and I lived in the dorms down uh there was only one hallway of dorms below the art galleries upstairs on the main campus where the student student art galleries and that was the introduction to white wine the whole white wine at you know art openings and it was like look at there's white wine receptions
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's just so connected to me to to art openings was like, Oh, well, you know, we got to have a glass of white wine and it was, you know, maybe when I was 18, 19 and we'd take it down and have it down in our dorm rooms. And it was never something, it was never something that was like, I, even in college, it was not something that I, I never partied really. Like I never, you know, had a fake ID or went out to, um, you know, I, I think I was a more, you know, hanging out with one-on-one with friends. I wasn't a big social, so social drinking was a part, was not a part of my story. Um, but I remember the relief feeling of what alcohol did. I remember that initial like, okay, that's like, it, it had that sense of relief. Like it did something for me. um, I can look back and I can see that. I felt that it just, uh, the nervousness I would have, it just kind of lightened that off. It just Mm -hmm. took that edge off and, you know, it just made things a little bit sillier, like just that slight out of control feeling. And, you know, I was never drawn to doing drugs or being, you know, having any sort of psychedelic experience or, but I, I liked the feeling of a slight alteration of what I was actually feeling. Um, then, so then I was, I was living in Berkeley and I had, I'd really, really had a huge passion for, um, photography and putting words and images together. I'd taken a, uh, amazing life stories class in my first year of school where we were asked to get a big blank journal. And we had these writing prompts, like sometimes I feel, um, dot, dot, dot. And that was the very beginning of me keeping a journal and beginning to really put the truth down of how I was feeling. And that quickly parlayed into combining that sort of passion for truth telling with the images I was taking. So I remember at 19 take doing a, a, a project called descent into limbo and it was photographing other 19 year old women and then having them write what they saw in these images of themselves. Um, and because people were saying, "Oh, nineteen, so great," you know, just the best. And I was looking around, and seeing women really struggling with, um, you know, from rape to eating disorders to oh, deep heartbreak, you know. And so that was that was the beginning. And so very soon after that, um, I. Had the um, that was the sort of the beginning of spilling open. Beginning my first book, my journals. Um, I had gotten mono, and I had to drop out of school. And it was like, no, I'm just beginning to sort of feel I'm like getting in the groove. I'd never been good at you know sports, or was never some big popular person, or you know, I didn't have a lot going for me in high school. But I finally found you know my passion for words and images, and so I began creating Spilling Open, and I had, let's see, me back up briefly. Um, I had gotten mono, I had to move back, was in my mom's pajamas, and I remember loving um, the artist and writer Sark, um, and sh- she hadn't come out with Succulent Wild Woman yet, but I loved her books Creative Companion, Inspiration Sandwich, and had kind of um, inspired me to sort of explore and look closely around me. And I remember recalling out calling her inspiration line saying, you know, I feel disheveled and lumpy and pale and disgusting. And, um, I'm sitting here in my mom's pajamas and, um, and she ended up calling me back and she said, yeah, she said, thank you for speaking of being disheveled and how you really feel. She said, I'm sitting here and I'm feeling, you know, these feelings and, I'm looking at this photo of myself on the back of my, the, her succulent wild woman book. And I'm having, you know, these feelings are coming up for me and just a very real conversation. And she said, you know, when you, thank you for speaking of, you know, your true feelings. And she said, when you get better and come back to the Bay area, because I'm sort of in between semesters, she said, if you want to, maybe you could intern for me. So I, remember going, um, to her house in San Francisco and her assistants of taking me upstairs. There was a magic cottage in back and she was upstairs on the top floor of this great Victorian in North beach. And, and it was all white and beautiful and light filled. And I had my, like, I'd brought my journals with me and she, when she saw them, when she, when I met her, she said, Oh my God, I see books in these. And I was like, oh my god screw you for telling me that that's crazy because at that time not like not really like I wasn't mad but I was definitely like yeah right you know I'm 20 20 or 21 at that point I think just 20 and the only journals that were out was like Anise Nin's journal there there was not anyone remotely contemporary to me that I I, there was an artist Dan Eldon who had passed away who they had just published his his journals of handwritten, beautiful journals. Um, but there was no other woman that was my age that had anything, and this was before blogging or anything like that. And I thought, who, how on earth could I publish these? And she said, well, what if you make the book you most want to find and you create sampling pages of, of the book you know you want to find? And I began to do that. And I, um, I won't get into the whole... Whole story of it, but um, so I want to stay on this topic. But what year, I could, what year was this, Sabrina? Just to frame this for our sure. listeners. This was um, 1996. Okay. Mm. Yeah. All right. And so I I put the sampling package together. I wrapped it with lavender and twine, and this is what I think I heard. I remember hearing on the podcast when I was listening to Unruffled like last year, and I heard you say, Tammy, in an episode, you mentioned my name, like, oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Something about creating a presentation or something for Mm -hmm. putting it together. I'm like, there's a link here, you know, little does she know, here I am (laughs) listening to a sobriety podcast, her sobriety podcast. We'll (laughs) talk later
2: about how I stalked you, but okay, go ahead. (laughs)
0: Okay. So I drove it out. So I found a publisher that I thought I resonated with their their tone, but they'd never done a color book. It was called new world library. It was this more of a spirituality, small publisher, um, in Mm Novato, California. And so I made this and I made it on newsprint. So like, this is going to be super cheap to print. there will just be a few colors. Like at that point, you know, Sark's books maybe just had was a four color printing and there was only, you know, certain signatures within the book sections of of it were color. So I'm like, I'm going to, this is going to be super cheap to print use the Xerox machine around the corner for my place. And I, I wrapped it up and I took it in the, I walked into this publishing house and there was this like glass boardroom and there's people all sitting around a table and I kind of was bright red. My neck is like, you know, inflamed <laughs> the red mm-hmm. and I lean at it and I look at them and I kind of awkwardly wave and they look at me and then I just like lean this package against this glass door and I like run away <laughs> <laughs> and I have my little like old Toyota Tercel and I call my parents from the payphone down the street. I'm like, I did it. I left it there. They're going to open it. They're going to come out of the meeting. They're going to be in, What is this? And hold, let me sit. Take a sip of water here. <laughs> and and, um, and and no one called. No one called mm-hmm. and no one called and no one called and no one called and Two weeks had gone by and my dad said, you know, it's just great. You did it. You know, it's you, you can call them and ask for the art back, but it's just, and you go back to school, but it's fantastic. You did it. And so I thought, okay, you know, all right. And then I get a call.
2: That takes a lot of nerve.
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. In
2: what way? Which part? Just that you did, that you, that you dropped it off and you went downstairs and you got on the payphone phone and called your dad. Like I did it. Like that takes a lot of nerve to go do that. Yeah. I can only imagine how intimidating that is with the big glass, you know, conference room and people sitting around a big table. And you're just like, here's my art. Here's my heart. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, and that was back when you would just, you know, schlep your portfolio around or whatever. Oh. Now, yeah, you just, you know, hit publish or you, you can remain more anonymous. It, it it's still intimidating, but a lot less than it used to be. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah but so much more real so in a way. Yeah. It's so exactly. much more direct. And
2: yeah.
0: Um, so this woman, Becky Benanate, you know, called, and she sounded very sophisticated. She said this package has been leaning against the door for two weeks. I don't know who it's for. And I, fi- and I finally opened it. <laughs> And she said, you know, I wish my daughter could read this. Or she said, I, could you come in and talk to me about this? And I said, yes, okay. So I go in and I've got my, like, total outfit on. I've got this necklace with a book at the end of it. I've got my big black portfolio with my, you know, design projects. And I have my journals. Mm. And she's looking through it. And she said, women have this sadness and they don't know where it comes from. And I hope you'll speak about that. Mm and i remember that so clearly and i thought well i don't you know i'm but i felt some in internally a sense of i need there's not a lot i know how to do in this world but if this is what i can do and i can share something i'm going to share it but so i went on it was a beautiful collaboration of sharing my journals and her kind of saying write further about this and you know here i'm writing about my the back of my thighs and acne and never passing algebra. And thinking there was, again, there was no reference point of like, okay, this other girl's done it. Or like, oh, I can yip yap with this other person. Like, oh my gosh, this is awkward. There was nobody to talk to. And that became a theme for my drinking because there was, again, there was, I was alone in this experience. And, um, I quickly began, it was, it was a big deal. You know, people around me were like, you're publishing a book. Like, I wasn't someone who was saying, you know, in theater in high school was like, I want to be on the stage, you know, or I'm a, I want to be a star soccer player. It was I was coming from a place of just just it it something shifted then when where I just started being different. I was somehow felt a little separated from the tribe that I was I was finally feeling a part of, um, cause I had pictured going, being a graphic designer and having this cool, it was the beginning of early, early, early com, And I'm like, I'm going to work in this funky loft and have these cute coworkers and like, you know, like <laughs> right. just hang out, have inside jokes and feel really cool and feel really great. I, I didn't have that sense of, I want to, I didn't want to be a painter. I didn't want to, I didn't have this need to, you know, be alone in the art studio all day painting or something like that. I really, wanted to communicate boldly words and images to put truth out there and communicate. So, and how,
1: how long since we're tying all this together? I'm just curious before I forget, how long had had you been journaling?
0: Only, uh, only about a year and a half. Okay.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's
0: so interesting. Okay. But it, but it poured
2: out of you obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said there was no one before you that was kind of doing it in the way in the style that you do your work. So it was probably so fresh that I'm sure this this book publishing company was like what's this all about?
0: It was a big right? what's this all about. It yeah. was a big what is and they and they did they I mean that they took I remember the the Monroe was the guy who was in charge of market public, publicity. I remember they always looking at his face like what the hell Mm-hmm. is this book because it just was and I remember midway through I still hadn't asked if, it, if the book was even going to be in color and I didn't know if there'd be you know and so finally I said do you think we could know how many pages that will be able to be in color and I remember my editor looking at me and she's like well it seems like it it has to be all full color I'm like oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's okay. what I thought. That's, That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Totally. Cool.
2: All so, right. so what year did it publish
0: um, your first book? I think the first. Spelling open. I think the first publication of it was, uh, nineteen ninety nine or ninety eight ninety nine. Okay. Because it was published twice. Got it. Um. So it was published by New World Library, and then a few years later, um, things stepped into Hike Gear, and it was purchased by Random House, and they republished it, and then they published my next two books, Brave on the Rocks and Messy, Thrilling Life.
2: And so when this published, I mean, you're 23, right, at the time?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And... It's your, it's your journals. It's your thoughts. It's, it's everything that's inside of you. So it's out on the page, you know, it's mm-hmm. laid bare for everyone to see. Um, you're drinking at that time. I, I imagine it progressively, it progressed through the years,
0: right? I mean, it did, you didn't start yeah, off. And, and I didn't drink at that time at all. I mean, oh, I, again, it was still just glasses of wine occasionally feeling like a little decadent, but yeah, I did not drink. I didn't drink, uh, through making any of those, I mean, when I say dinner, I didn't have, I, I drank occasional glass wine, but drinking was never a problem for me through any of those three books. Yeah.
2: So when did it start to become a, something that was a little
0: bit of a like, Hmm. Yeah. So, so, and it's amazing cause it, you know, it sneaks up on you. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And I hear it a lot that it, for women, it can be, it happens a lot faster Um, it can happen a lot faster. So what was beginning to happen again was, so my career really shifted from very quickly into a career that was trying to manage. Like I didn't, I always felt like, I don't know who to ask. I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to say to this person. I don't know what I should be asking for. Um, a lot of really big business decisions that I just didn't know what to do. And as a sensitive person, as as an introvert, as someone who never worked for a company where you learn and that whole sense of apprenticeship of like, oh, I watched, you know, Mary make that awkward call. And so she made that call to that person and that's how she handled it. Or you turn to the person beside you and say, shoot, look at the email I just got. This is crazy. You know, how should we respond or there was no one else a part of the decision-making and it just felt this pressure. And the, I would go on these book tours and I would meet these amazing women and I would think, Oh my God, that's someone I would so be friends with. And then you meet for a second and you sign the book and then they're off and they're putting this, they're seeing themselves in reflected in these books and feeling connected and feeling less alone. And here I am starting to feel more and more alone Mm. Um, that makes sense, yeah, yeah and that and it started changing a dynamic where I'd meet people that I would through my work that I would think I resonate, but they would come with so much more information about me and feel really connected to me. And so it didn't feel like it there was always a slight shift in the in the sense of how much more they knew than I knew about them. There was a little bit of an imbalance. And I think that maybe is more common now because of, again, blogs, social media, people, you kind of, you know, you know, you know more about the person. There's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I, there was never, I didn't know anything. There was nothing, there was nothing I knew about anybody (laughs) beforehand. So the drinking, I remember moving back from New York City and I was 25 and with my boyfriend at the time, John. And I remember it was the beginning of the whole Trader Joe's two buck chuck, that like two dollar bottle of wine mm-hmm. thing. Oh yeah. Where yeah, <laughs> right? And yeah. And it was just a subtle when I you know, it takes a while to sort of look back and try to piece it together how things happen. But I think there was a I remember us I buying a crate, like, oh, you know, it's cheap. Let's buy. And we had a crate of it. It was the first time I was like, it was just fluidly around. It was there. So I had a separate studio at the time. Um, and I remember bringing some bottles of wine to the studio and I had great interns and we would, and it was like this thing, like it's so, and I'd come back from traveling in Italy and I thought, let's, you know, have some wine in the studio and, and it was just a part of the artistic life, you know. And again, I'm I'm working during the day, so it w- was something I would have during the day. It was not something I would have like after work or something. It was like, oh, it's lunchtime, let's have a glass of wine. Um, and that when I look back at that, the the ca- the casualness that started, that casual drinking, day drinking, was just subtle enough then. Um, and so through, I would say starting in about 2007, um, again, and there was a period where my parents, I was very, very close with my mother and father and they had a big influence on my work, and it was a very jolting surprise of my parents divorcing, and it really threw pulled the rug out from under me, um, on, deeply. Um. And that was the beginning of just starting. My dad had started to drink again a little bit, of wine, and it was really, and so there was this casualness of offering it during the day, and I'd have the glass of wine, and it just sort of became this no, a bit more normalized. And I noticed myself starting to turn to it like, oh, I need to make this business call. Let me have a glass of wine first. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know quite what to do. <laughs> Let me have a glass of wine. You know, yeah. I'm gonna go do do some artwork. Let's have a glass of wine, let's have the wine bottle. It just was there. And I noticed it just starting to pick up um and again I didn't I moved around a lot I was having these adventurous times on the central coast of California and Bonny Doon north of Santa Cruz and like just this wildness and so there's a period I kind of checked out like I wasn't doing social media I wasn't doing Facebook I wasn't a part of those early years in the 2008-2009 windows 2010 I just I was like living and just, that's why kind of beginning of the true living project, I called it like, just like living on my own terms. And wine was a part of that story, (laughs) just looking back on it. Um, and I started to realize I had this problem and I, um, no one had, no one had, brought it up to me. No one was around me enough to really see it. But I started seeing myself concealing alcohol and that haunting image of my grandmother's, you know, glass of vodka behind the couch, behind the pillow. And I started seeing myself concealing it in water bottles uh, and bringing it with me when I need to go somewhere and starting to spend time see myself getting anxious of thinking being sure I had wine or um and then I sort of would have tequila but it was wine was my main issue. Um and I thought inside, shoot, you know, what am I gonna how what this is a problem. And it it really took, you know, about six years to really realize that I was trapped by it, um, I feel like I need to take a breath. Does anyone have anything to say for a second? No, I was going to ask. <laughs> yes. Did it,
1: Did you feel like it was affecting your work too, or had it not, or had you, or did you feel like it was enabling you to work? Because it, it's you know, it, a lot of creatives say, you know, if if they could were creative before when they were drinking, yeah. um, alcohol would help, you know, spark their creativity or, you know, maybe bring down their inhibition so that they could get to work. Um, but then eventually it stops working. Right. Yeah, Right. It's, it right. starts to, uh, do the, have the opposite effect.
0: Right. Were you experiencing that at all? Yes. Yes. And that was a trick because I was attached to the thinking that was helping, um, liberate, you know, it's that thing It like, it works until it doesn't work anymore. And what I started seeing was I equated anxiety that wine would solve that problem. Mm -hmm. And that's the opposite, you know, to think of now where I stand in my life now, the, the ease and the calm I feel So much more deeply than I did ever did when I was drinking, which I Mm -hmm. couldn't fathom. And I think that for me, the trick of what addiction is is that it's this false sense of thinking you need this in order to feel this way, and it's actually the opposite. Like for me, alcohol caused my anxiety, and I couldn't ever believe that that could possibly like how could that work how could that be true right and it's almost like it's like a knowledge I just didn't even have
1: like nobody right? ever told me that like no. Sandra this is making you freak out every morning this is yeah. this the thing that you think is helping you is actually causing the problem I had no idea though
2: no no. it just fuels it it just fuels the anxiety for me it just it i mean it it, it dissipated for a bit right but then the next morning it mm-hmm. would just be roaring and ready to go mm-hmm. it's well, waiting bi- for me yeah
1: and biologically and it, you know f- physiologically it, it there's an explanation um you know what it's doing to you know your hormones and your dopamine mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. your adrenaline but Um, no one ever told me that, like no no doctor ever informed me of that. Now, I don't know if I would have listened or believed them, but still it's nobody ever, ever gave me that information until I was about 43 years old.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And how did you get that information
1: from a doctor? Finally? Yeah. 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 The doctor finally told me that. And, but I, yeah. And I, of course, didn't want to believe her at first, but, you know, the seed was planted and, um, you can't, and know then it I, after that, yeah. re- exactly. And then I began to entertain the idea. <laughs> Maybe she was
0: right. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that, that for women, there's, for me, you know, I felt this huge looming shame and terror because I'm thinking here I am is this inspiration to other women this I'm this light you know and I help people you know and I'm a truth teller and just thinking you know turning the shame inward like nobody knows but who do I tell I'm not there I didn't have consequences I wasn't arrested I didn't ever get a DUI um and but I knew I I knew it had me in its grasp grasp and uh and I, the way it affected my work is I just, I just started my work, my world started getting so small and I was so afraid and I was living in so much fear. And I, I was trapped by the sense of, I couldn't, I couldn't step, you know, I couldn't be living my life. I I wanted my life back. I wanted my life back. And I knew I was, I, I was going to, I was going to either have some sort of accident or I, I was going to need to, to have a huge moment of saying, I'm, I'm going to get my life back. Um,
2: so, so Sabrina, can I ask how, mm-hmm. like around what time time frame did you decide to quit? So if you're saying that it was like these six years of kind of the unknown, right? kind of knowing but not wanting to maybe admit it or trying to, you were just feeling your way around it. You knew you didn't like how you felt, I'm sure. Right,
0: right. So what what when did you decide to quit? Like what was that time frame? That was in 2016. Um I I remember my dad was going to have his 70th birthday. And I was going to be coming back to see. It was a reunion sort of thing, and it was in June. And I thought I talked to him on the 17th, and his birthday was December 17th. And I thought I want to get my life back, and I'm going to do it by the time I I have to go. I have to be seen. I just at that point I I couldn't be seen. I did not. I couldn't be seen in the state I was in. I felt like. And I had moved to Madison, not knowing anyone, and I kept my world really small here. So no one, there weren't friends checking in on me. Um, so I and even like a, my best friend Jessie, who I would I talked to every day, and she didn't know I had a drinking problem. And I, for, after a year of sobriety, I'm like, ah, so I stopped drinking. Like she, she didn't know. It wasn't something that was very obvious. To, to people. right? So but knew. I knew, I knew yeah. deeply, I deeply knew. So I had a moment of, uh, there was some deep shift in me that said, I'm done. I am done. And I made a big board. I dragged up Probably drunkenly a few weeks before, some huge piece of wood off the street. And I decided I'm going to make this huge calendar and I'm going to get stickers and I'm going to count down between this date and December 17th. And I'm going to friggin' get my life back. And this is all still like no one in my family knows I'm doing this. I think I casually say, I'm going to stop drinking. I say, I'm going to do the whole 30. I'm going to cut out caffeine and sugar. And I, Deeply feel it was a, a deeply God experience. Something in me that was bigger than me said, "You're going to get a chance. You, mm. I'm giving you a chance, um, and you may not get another chance. You got to, you got to take this chance." And something deep in me had the strength, to, found a strength to just take on the challenge of, like, "Let's do this." And I decided I'm going to have a sticker for eating healthy, one for having exercise and one for not drinking that day. And something about that for me worked like that was just was a tool that worked for me was just the feeling of putting a sticker on at the end of the day. It was yellow, red and green. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'd also put on weight, you know, from drinking, just, you, I just kind of blew up and I'm like, I can't. So that was a part of it. I just wanted to be back in my body. Yeah. So June 28th was the day I stopped drinking at 2016. So it's just been a few months over two years. Mm, congratulations. Mm. Yeah.
1: Congrats. I did little hearts. I drew little hearts on yeah. every day. Yeah. Uh huh. I still have that, um, that it was just a day planner that was on my desk, but I, I, I still have that day planner. I go back and look at it every wow. once in a while, but every day there's a little heart drawn
2: if I made it through the day, which I did, you know, but, um, Yeah. 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 I did tick marks like I was in prison, you know, like you did those little <laughs> tick marks. <laughs> oh, totally. So, yeah. But, so, well, yeah. So the, your whole story, like, so that's what I think when we share these things, and I and I want to mention and, and share with our listeners, like, the, this is a little bit of your coming out today, like, and talking about this really openly. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for giving us yes. the backstory yeah. and doing that, because... It's really hard to do. But when we do this, I know that there's another woman listening and I call it the step zero. Right. Because I think it's like what leads up to us deciding that we no longer want to feel the way that we're feeling. And by you making the dragging up that board and doing your calendar and just the whole like there's not one one way to get sober. No. And so by sharing our stories, you know, we can help someone else who has a calendar who's going to draw a little heart on it or get some stickers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love me an office supply, so I would love <laughs> to, you know, any kind of calendaring system. Um, but yeah, but to, to know um, kind of the slow progression, like you said, and it, it doesn't it doesn't just happen. We're not just we don't just have these drinking problems, um, you know, after one glass of wine, our first glass of wine when we're 19 years old. No. It's like the slow progression. Um, can I can we share with the listeners how old you are, Sabrina?
0: I am forty-two now.
2: Yeah. And it's like this awakening. We were talking with our, our friend, the astrologer Natha, um, I mean, and she talked about these um time was it forty-three, Sandra, that she talked about these awakening? 44, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but just our forties, I think, and what we talk about on the show, like the midlife solution was giving up alcohol, was like finally Mm-hmm. embracing my life in a way where I could be so honest and, and that I had been kind of, you know, I, I would have told you before that I was really honest, but I, I knew when, you know, deep down, you can't mm-hmm. know that. And like you said, you're doing these pages, you're, sp- you're spilling open your journals and your, and your heart and your thoughts Yeah. You know, there's some reserve there. Right. Right.
1: I was going to say, yeah, it's always the common thread. Um, it's just this deep knowing because so, you know, every, everyone's story's different. Some of us have experienced gels and institutions. Um, and, and, or some of us had family members telling us we needed to quit drinking. Um, a lot of us, you know, compared our drinking to our friends all the time and stuff, but regardless of all of that, it's just, there's a deep there's like a deep knowing where you just know, you just know it's, it's too much or it's, or you're miserable or it's
0: holding you back. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and just, yeah, no, go ahead. You know, just to think about just sitting here today and talking about this and that it's so, I mean, the, the grace that comes with, with making this, just this decision and thinking that, that one day I'd be able to talk, you know, openly about it. And, um, it just, I think it, for women, uh, for me, it, it, it was, it imprisoned me. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought it freed me, but I think it really enslaved me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really,
1: I really resonate with that. I always say that the end of my drinking felt like I had fallen down into a well and then I could, and I couldn't climb out. That's exactly how it felt. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, so, so Sabrina, you were living alone at this time, right? When you quit drinking mm-hmm. in Madison. And so I imagine kind of, I mean, I remember my first six months so vividly, um, the routines I would do and the the trainings for hikes and I had to, I had to kind of build a system and yeah. it sounds like you kind of had to build a system too. But what, um, how did you find, I mean, were, did you know anyone that was sober like at all? No. Or was it online? Because uh, where I'm getting at is I, I, kind yeah. of, I, I found that online was how I was kind of reaching out from the yeah. quiet solitude of my little country house, you know, in this small town that I live in. Um, the online world was how I kind of was, um, putting my feelers out there and reading blogs and things. And that's kind of what I think I saw you had commented on another sober gal um, online. And I saw that you had commented something. I was like, Hmm, Mm -hmm. I, I I wonder, and you know, and I watched for a little bit, just not like I was, I'm joking that I was stalking you, but it's just something that you notice when you're commenting. And I was like, huh, Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder if Sabrina has stopped drinking. And then I reached out to you and you had, and you hadn't quite, come out with it yet. You know, you hadn't you said you hadn't shared it publicly and right. I, was, and I did not want to pressure you or anything. And then you reached out to me and you were like, I'm ready. Yeah. And, um, how did, what, what, what was that like? Cause I know
0: that can sound yeah. weird to some
2: people that are probably listening, but like, how, how did you come to the decision that you were ready to, to share it?
0: Well, I'll, go, I'll back up just a little bit to forming that yeah. sense of community. Um, so I knew I needed to have that routine. I needed to be seen. So I, CrossFit was sort of the beginning, um, just going to these, it was a great group of people and just having that accountability to go. And then I, three months into, um, my sobriety, I decided to become part of a, um, recovery program where I formed, I have, I have formed an incredible community of people here that are just fun and wise and deep and, I find it a huge part of um what gives you know, just helping me with life in general, life on life's terms. Um so that that was a big part for me of um that I feel is part of the growth that happens. It's not like we just stop drinking and we have to find solutions to help us with the reasons why we were drinking in the first place.
2: Yeah,
0: and why we turn to it. So, um, So you had in real life people you could connect. I had in real life people. Yeah, I was really hesitant about that, but I, what for me was a, what again where it said I felt like I was given that reprieve, and I never, ever, ever wanted to fall back into, into it again. I never wanted to have that need and that craving. I just, I so I just took it really seriously, and knowing alcoholism ran runs in my family and it's no joke. It's, you know, it is, it is real and is very, very dangerous. So, um, I take that, I take that really seriously. Um, and I take, um, I, I think the, the feeling that I have, I mean, I wrote down a few things about where I was afraid. I now feel joyful where I felt nervous, I now feel excited. Um, where I felt, you know, uncomfortable, my weight, my body, I now feel confident. Um, where and I didn't, where I didn't want to be seen, now I feel excited to see people. Where I'm ashamed, I feel proud. And then I, when I, I didn't look in the mirror, I felt like I couldn't look myself in the mirror for a long time. And I feel I can smile at myself now. Um, mm-hmm and where I felt alone, I now feel a part of. So it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 I feel happier than I could have felt even before. There's some part that it's made me more myself, um, and going into the creativity part of it, just thinking, how can I be, okay, let me back up, sorry to say about how I then decided. So, so few months in I then I discovered the the famous home podcast which is <laughs> so inspired by um mm-hmm. and I listened to all those episodes and I loved 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 that and I still recommend it to people I meant recommend it to someone last night um and I've loved Laura McCowan's writing and uh just really think really admire her a lot um so that was, yeah, so I've, I've loved having that be a part of Instagram. And, and so with the mixture of this great tribe out there, then there's the other side of just horrendous advertising and, um, you know, that really seeing it so in my face all the time, um, Al- alcohol promotions. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Women, so,
2: well, that's our friend, Aaron Shaw street is doing such a good job with tell better stories Yes, on Instagram. Yes, yes. I mean, she's really putting her heart and soul into that project, you know, and helping to illuminate this problem of how alcohol is advertised to women um, and the mommy cultures and just, just, yeah, she's doing a fantastic job. So much respect to her. Mm-hmm.
0: So much respect to her. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Social media has, um, I don't know, it's just really shifted things, I think, in the recovery community it just seems to be gaining steam you know and um so exactly and for people who are and i know we don't talk about this a ton on our show cuz it's not our it wasn't it's not how we identified i don't believe i'm speaking for Sandra here but not a gray area drinker um maybe maybe that's how it, you know, we could call it that i guess in the beginning when you're just a normal drinker for me but um there is communities now all around this gray area drinking as well Mm -hmm. so that people can get off the train before it crashes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's so helpful. And it's like, you can, you can pick and choose now what kind of thing you're willing to try out. Some people, you can just decide to be done and you don't have
1: to identify with the label. You can just be, you can just be done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was just totally done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. Today, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can
2: hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of this show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash theunruffledpodcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. Okay, so we're going to jump into the second part of the interview with you here. And I i don't know if our listeners know this or not, but you co-host a podcast
0: as well um, with, yeah. your,
2: with uh, Trent Reynolds. So, and you've been doing that, what, for a couple of years?
0: Yep. So since 2016, um, we've been, we, and we've been talking for years before he and I went to high school together. And so. We have that history. And so we, we started in conversation in, in around 2009. We Actually, that's when we made the Room in the Trees, the, the actual physical project. Um, yeah, backyard, tell our listeners. Backyard. So the podcast
2: is called Room in the Trees.
0: Yep, Room in the Trees. It's a podcast about living a creative life. And it, he and I are really different, so it kind of adds – how would you guys describe it as, a, as listeners or as –
2: well, he, he, well, he is like the yin to your yang, right? Like you guys, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And he, and he is a, uh, a dad living in Southern California. He, is he a teacher as well?
0: Yeah. Yes. I'm a teacher.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you're off in Madison and I just see you doing this. Your artwork is what you guys use for the show. Correct. Yeah. Is his artwork really different. Cause I haven't seen his artwork.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it'd be
2: different. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, we did this project um, in our hometown where we found all this stuff. We went around the town and find all this stuff and we made this kind of installation in the backyard. Um, and kind of wanted to bring our town is very you kind know, of manicured and sort of doesn't have a lot of wildness. And we found a way to just bring found and forgotten objects and make this sort of kind of fort like space to hold a conversation and we only had it up for a few days but he could probably describe it better but it was just this um um the idea of the physicality of making and exploring and making art for art's sake and to to just the realness of the the whole experience was I'm not describing it really well, but it, it, it led to the importance of these real conversations about life and creativity. And so we, we've been in conversation since 2009 and recorded a lot of conversations through those years, but then in 2016, decided to just give it a shot with, with, um, putting it out there. So we really enjoyed it. Um, we really have enjoyed it. Yeah.
2: And is it, do you guys do it sporadically or do you guys have
0: a plan or do you we guys... usually try to do it every week, but his life, he suddenly had four children, four girls, <laughs> so very, very, very quickly. So right. he has like four kids under the age of eight, I think, or yeah. nine. Yeah. So that combined with, um, his teaching full time as an art teacher at a high school in Los Angeles. So we don't get to record as often, but um if we, soon, I hope we'll just have some technical support so someone else can edit it and you kind know, do all that the back end part of it,
2: yeah, because that's it. it's like it's not just the conversation it's a lot, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, the hosting and the um, yeah, and the technical stuff, and also just getting i'm looking at I'm just looking at your the website, just having a website for your podcast too. We don't yeah. have that because that's just yet another thing right um, mm-hmm. but it definitely has your stamp on it here and I love your script and your writing um and also it looks like these images that have that, have, that you guys have there in the archive so it
0: looks beautiful yeah you can go to the the website it's just room and there is a video that shows that project we did that, that kind of loose loosely filmed fun footage of that
2: oh I'll check it out
0: yeah.
2: Um, okay, so you do that. You do many things, just like most people that we talk to on this podcast. People, um, Creatives are just creative in all parts of their lives. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that you have, um, I wanted to chat with you just a little bit about having this, um, you know, this new lens that you have to look at mm-hmm. and work um, and create work through sobriety. And I'm curious, because uh, for me, it, it was off and running, but you, I wasn't very um, focused on making art or being... <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say I wasn't focused on being creative, but I didn't, I didn't have a, um, a channel for that. And when I stopped drinking, the channel opened. I'm curious for you because your channel had been open and you've been creating art, um, for, you know, 20 years or probably longer, but Mm -hmm. what did that feel like when you quit drinking? Were you able to dive into your work or did you need to take a pause or what did that look like for you?
0: Hmm. I think, yeah, it took different shapes. I think I, in a way I took a pause and I just, I was so, I've been very focused on getting re, sort of as healthy and clear. I feel so clear headed. So I think making work from this clear, really clear mindset has been an interesting shift mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where um I cannot just be kind of going with, Oh, I need to do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, and going in different directions, but really having a vision and holding it clearly and creating a great circle of tribe around to bring it to fruition, um, has been, has been something that I feel has been a big part of my, um, um, sorry, my head to my brain, just a second. Okay
1: um are you feel I'm just gonna project do you feel like more intentional now or do you can you hear your intuition when you're making art better um I I know that those things is is what I've experienced where you know maybe I was going on intuition before but now uh I can see patterns more clearly Mm -hmm. um It's easier for me to zoom in and zoom out, um, you know, where you can kind of see the big picture or see where you're going, but you can also kind of, you know, look at things under a microscope better just because, like you said, there's just more clarity there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think the teaching part for me has been so meaningful and that has been something that I can bring forward and i think that for me this sort of transition from teaching workshops which i've done all these years um to being able to offer it to a wider group of people and before i thought i have no idea how to figure that out it just seemed as daunting people would always say you need to teach online it'd be great for you to i'm like i don't know where to begin with that So to really take that on, it's a huge sort of adventure of how to do this. It reminds me actually of the process of making Spilling Open. It feels like this because I wanted it to be unique and random and loose and yet um, vivid and um, evocative and um, really me. And so that's been something that, you know i've been able to really really focus on and stay really committed to the whole way through the process so
2: so when um, did that so when did that start cuz i'm so this is going to be an online experience uh-huh. um you've always taught workshops um and you just taught a fabulous one in portland i looked at that space I was uh-huh. so uh, yeah i was like why am i not there um it yeah. looked incredible and it so you've amazing. done the in-person, you like the experience. I know obviously by the spaces that you pick, probably that's super important to you, um, to, to part of the creative process. Yeah. But to do it online, that probably seems pretty cookie cutter and can be kind of uh, like, how do I do that? Right. right. Like, and I, right. and I know what you're saying because of your work and the way that you work, you didn't want it to probably look like just a regular online course where you just click through four four modules and you're done. Exactly. So can you share what that's like when this idea um, came to you and like how that kind of, how it's taken shape and how you've made it your own?
0: Yeah, I think for me, so the work, the, I don't, I guess the, the, I don't call them workshops in the past few Mm -hmm. years. It's been calling it the true living, the true living experience. Yeah. Because it's not so much, it's not, my workshops have never been, and I know there's no sort of no better word for it, but they've never been very like, this is what you're going to learn. This is what you're going to get out of it. And I, it's, it's, um. it's, it's a box, right? That you it's check. A box, I went to a right. workshop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I learned how to handwrite like Sabrina or something like that. And so this is like, the. it's so, for me, art making is the physicality of making it. Goes back to just the using my hands, being in my body, um, exploring and finding, um, like finding random tools. Trusting, like for me, it's the alchemy is a big part of like, like I'll find something on the street. I'm like, this is the perfect thing I need to put in the thing here or use this for that or like, like something stuck to the bottom of my sock as I'm walking across the living room and that sort of like a, the. the the picture of the little piece of paper that ends up in this, like that's how it literally spilling open and the books happen. I never went and bought plain white paper from the store. It's all from the reuse center. It's all found and kind of forgotten things. So um, I'm someone who creates where I don't necessarily, like if I have a thing of pastels, I, I really don't even look too much at the color I'm, I'm picking next. And I just, I like, going with the flow of, of just making to, for making sake Mm -hmm. and, um, not taking it, not taking my work too seriously. So, um, untether is a lot about liberation and permission and, um, the free writing process, which is a big part of my, um, my workshops and true living experiences because that process is what leads to when you, you know, when you're putting together work, you're not like, well, I just like this color pink. So I'm going to put pink in here. It's like that pink resonates with a memory of maybe a dress you wore when you were six or Mm -hmm. the, the way the writing process leads to deeper memories and connections. And that's where I think you can find your palette and your real authentic voice and then a real sense of kind of inner direction and calm, um, when you're making and you're not just thinking I want it to look like this other person's or I want to take a picture and put it on Instagram and use this filter. It's, um,
2: I like that memory color palette like that. mm -hmm. That's yeah. I like that. Since she, um,
1: since she made that reference, I have a question forgive me if you've been asked this before and also this question may just be super naive or too simplistic of a deduction because I'm sort of I feel like I'm kind of an outsider of the visual art world mm-hmm. I've been a photographer for a long time and I sew so that's those are my creative things but um when I and also forgive me I wasn't until very recently super familiar with your work, but when I saw your book spilling open and I realized how long ago you wrote that book, um, I feel like you have a lot, you have influenced a lot of artists. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, is that fair to say? I mean, do you, do you think that because I, a lot of art that I see, like on Instagrams, for instance, um, res- resembles your work, like and and <laughs> I'm not saying that you were copycatted or whatever, but but I, I, I really feel like you really your aesthetic influenced a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. Um, does that feel flattering? Does it feel violating? I mean, I always, you know, we always want to be that artist that influences other people. And really, I think it's the highest compliment to give someone, you know, that they have a style they have, you know, like, like, you know, I think the highest compliment anyone could give me as a creative person is to say, yes, I knew that work was yours. Mm. Uh, Is that is it a flattering
0: thing? Is it does it feel violating do you feel did you ever feel sometimes like- I do sometimes yeah I yeah yeah sometimes I drank over it honestly because I would see really? stuff that looked like mine and I would just be like as you say that it just this makes my heart kind of like pulse in this way that just um because I trust the bigger picture for my life it's all unfolding as it should but there's there's a way that I did see people especially around advertising you know more a little bit more on the side of really selling stuff that had a very similar similar thing, you know, um, going on that was a little too or very, very, very close and selling stuff. And I just I didn't choose that route where I didn't kind of cash in on the licensing front. Um mm-hmm. I did a wonderful collaboration with the company papaya to do some licensing in, back in 2008. Um, but yeah, it's, I, it is flattery and it's also, it's also confused. It's confusing cause it's like, right. wow, that's, I'm seeing, I've seen it a lot over the years and, um, I, I just, I, my hope is that it can be inspiring, but also that it helps people really find their own thing. Like, right, because that's it, what you do as your a teacher, own. right? Yeah.
1: yeah, that's how, that's what you do, I was
0: assume, yeah. as a teacher. Like, yeah. I'm going to
1: show you what I do. Now you take it. You put your aesthetic and your style
0: on it, on yeah, your expression. Want, yeah, it's like, I want to go deeper than that level. Like, let's go to why, how did I arrive at that, you know, that, a quote, unquote um, effect or look is because I didn't start out going, I want it to look like it takes exploring and walking and looking closely and finding stuff. And um, like that, I think that's what gives work life and energy. Mm-hmm. And it, I think work, you can feel the energy in something when it feels alive and it's true. So, um, yeah, that it's a really interesting that you brought that up for sure. Um,
1: okay. I thought, I thought, because yeah, because I just, um, you know, it's not a world that I'm completely immersed in. So anyway, um, thanks for entertaining that question.
0: (laughs) What do you think about that, Sammy? I mean, tell me, <laughs> <laughs> Call me whatever you want. Um, well, yeah,
2: I would think that when you published this book way back when, um, right, you were mm-hmm. 23 years old and, and you said there's nothing else out there like that. So it also is this thing that you kind of busted open um, a way for I'm sure editors and book publishers to say, we need to look for something a little more interesting mm-hmm. than what's going on out there. And, and right now I'm, I'm trying to pitch this idea I have for this journal and I'm, and they tell me to go do research, you know, the, um, go do your research and go look for journals that look like, um, kind of what you want to make. Well, the good thing is I can't find anything out there like I want to make. Um, and my style is not as loose or organic as yours, Sabrina. I'm a little tighter, right? And I, and I want to embrace that too, but I also, um, I think it's a great thing that I can't find what I'm looking for, yeah. but it also feels like an overwhelming thing that I can't find what I'm looking for. And I think your work and the work that you've done and um, kind of helped pave the path for these, I think they call them, what they're calling them as guided journals, which I know yours is not necessarily a guided journal, but like this category that they said they're dying for things to, to, to uh, put out into the world. They have no, they have need more submissions. There's not a mm-hmm. lot of people submitting this type of work. And mm. so I think that, that it's a category at all, right. Um, mm-hmm. you helped create that. And I think that's pretty cool, you mm. know, and I don't, and I think, I think the flattery part are people doing, um, um, or if it's a violation, I don't know, it's, it's all subject to interpretation. And I feel, yeah, when people take my work and don't give me credit for it, that really stings. Yeah. Right? And so I can only imagine how that must feel for you. Um, but the risk of putting the book out there, right? You put, you offered it up out there. It's gonna, it's gonna do something.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I love that it had, it's had its own life like that. And I love that it has been inspiring. And what I have to remember is I stay in my own life here. And so yeah, as long as I'm living my most creative and alive life, that's all that's, that's all that's important. So.
1: Right. And also you, you, you know, once your work is out there, you, you've lost all control over it at that point anyway, mm-hmm. you know, what other people do with it or not is, is completely out of our control. Boy, those are things I would drink over though in the past.
2: Right. <laughs> out of my control. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, ah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, so I, for the for the, I like how you call it the true living experience. So, because you're yeah. right, you're so you when you meet with these women, I would imagine or these attendees probably men too. Um, it's a, it's what they're bringing to the table, right? Because you're probably mm-hmm. not standing up there going, "Okay, I have all of this to just give you in this little bag, and here's what you're going to do." Right? It's right. really what they brought to that um, yep. to that experience, and what they're going to excavate, and what they're going to do. So the fact that you're doing this online, you have a live component, right? A teaching component to it.
0: Okay. So they're going to get time with
2: you too. That's going to be good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And I think it's people that you want to come with a sense of personally going, I need to the, the word untether. Like I need to untether. I need to get away. I need to be back in my body. I need to be making, I need to be like with that intention, I think that's important aspect of it. Like a self intention. Like I'm giving myself this time to do this because I feel like it's, it's like to save our lives. We've got to be back in our bodies. We have to be expressing our, getting our feelings out, getting, you know, just, just releasing, um, is just, is critical to even be able to think clearly and, um, and, uh, you know, that's what's humanity has done that since the beginning of time we've, we make, and we need to ex- physically express ourselves.
2: Yeah. yeah. The, the, um, the process, I imagine I've seen that you do these really beautiful, um, I've only seen snippets of it, so that's why I want to ask. Um, You do these beautiful, it looks like a a scroll or like a big, large piece of paper where you put the attendee's name, you do your handwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, What is that for? I'm always curious. Is that just a beautiful banner that you're like, that you have there? Or is that something that is part of an exercise? Or is that top secret?
0: Oh, (laughs) of each person's name? I just make it for each person. Ah, for them. Yeah. I like that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you have a beautiful script. Your natural handwriting, which I love handwriting so much. Um, I have another question since I have you here. um, I am really drawn to circles um, and kind of the symbolism for being whole again for me, definitely. In sobriety, um, circles have taken on an important part of my work and the things that I make. Um, You do a beautiful um, interpretation. For me, it looks like a color wheel. Yeah. Um, that is your, is very much yours and can and quickly be identified as your work. Um, but is it using fabric Sabrina and paint? I mean, you use a little bit of everything in, in your,
0: yeah. in the, it's what a lot you of that. What do you Um, well, I feel like it's the chapters it's, it can be sort of chapters of emotion, emotions mm-hmm. in, um, in my life. Um, Yeah. And is it? It's a, a, it's, a, it's a it's painting, and there's a lot. The, the circles made out of fabric and paper. Okay. So I'm looking at it right now. It's um. Yeah, there's a lot of wallpaper and drawer lining and wrapping paper and um, metallic tin foil. Um, and a little bit of fabric trim. Um, but in the circle, there's usually not very much paint in, that's involved in it. So.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm really drawn to that. And every time I see it, yeah. Chapters and a part of your life, Or I mean, there's so much, mm-hmm. so much that, um, that it looks like it's telling a story. And I was
0: just curious,
2: when did you start making these or is there only
0: one? I, I feel like you've made more than one. Oh yeah. i made, yeah. <laughs> made many. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I mean, I can see them even in Spilling Open. There's some that are just drawn with um, filled in mm-hmm. um, these pin kind of pinwheels. So for many, many years, I think yeah. at least the past doing them larger like this, um, I'm thinking 2005, as I remember doing a piece back then that, that was that.
2: And see, that's what I think the thing, like what we were just talking about, I don't think you can, this has just been in you, this kind of icon that you have in your work, right? Mm -hmm. Since the very first book to you're still making, it. it's like this thing that has traveled with you Mm -hmm. and morphed and changed over the years and you reinterpret it like no one can copy that. And if they do, you can tell, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's like a history of, of the mark making that you do that kind of has traveled with you. And, um, one of my mentors has just told me, she's like, go through your old journals, go look at what is the thing that you always draw Mm -hmm. and think about why you draw it and why that is, you know, she's like, it's like a portal almost and why you make, or it's a portal into telling you what drives you or what what you want to create next. She's like, maybe if you can examine the thing that keeps repeating itself in your work, um, And not that you have to exploit it or make that the thing, but it just can inform you.
0: Yeah, I I find that I find that also with the faces. I do those drawings of women, the women, those sort of different. And I think I've always felt like those are just the emotions under the surface. There's just to me, they're just um, images of emotion that are just the feelings we're feeling just under the surface. Yeah, there's there's,
2: I like those, too. So so. Mm -hmm. You are such a hands-on visual artist, like, and you make, Mm -hmm. um, does, has, has, um, the rise of social media or doing these things online? I know that you're trying to marry those two now with this project and doing it in your own way, but has that ever felt like very, like you said, you were, you were off of Facebook and things for years. Has that ever felt, um, like like too much, you know,
0: to share? I, I, um um like you're busy making art
2: right that's what I'm imagining and and the other component of sharing is like this whole other beast I'm just curious how you come to terms with that with with what you share what you don't share or or if you think about that at all
0: well one thing I love is that it feels like I'm reuniting with all the people 20 years later that discovered spilling open in their early 20s and now they're kind of my age and we're able to go I'm like it, there's this wonderful feeling of like, there you all are. you know, I never got to know you. And so there's just a great feeling of tribe that i, I all these years, I didn't have around me and and support and there you know, people are, you know, adults and professionals and um, really like deep into wom- their womanhood and their life. And so I feel. I feel that love, a, a love and a support around from that that is that I d- didn't get to feel, and I feel much less alone. And um, I also really like that the element of the pro- like working on Tether re- involved needed other people. So my collaboration with Austin Durst, who's been my videographer and editor, and just were again like it reminds me back of being in art school, like working on a project together, having deadlines, having another person to bounce ideas off of, and like um it's I like that again it's it sort of takes a village and so the more projects I can work on like that I I really um look forward to it. I think there was the feeling of so much of what my work was so focused on me that I'm really looking forward to sort of turning the gaze the other direction. So that's why teaching and and just I'm like I share it a lot. Folks, I shared a lot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> kind of shared a lot, and I think there there will be a book that will come out from this time, and I, I hope to you know talk about this drinking and how that 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 part of my life. Um, but for now, this is. I really love the format of of being able to engage with other people, and um, and I feel that freedom of not I don't feel that anxiety anymore in my life so I feel um just it's my god
1: like things are flowing like it feels
0: less forced so yeah to connect exactly yeah Yeah. it's exciting and natural and you know to be on this call with you and not needing three bottles of wine to tell the story (laughs) right (laughs) right
2: (laughs) We're really glad you're not doing that. Um, no. <laughs> I want to respect your time, so we're going to share everything. And the untether, um, uh, that that they can sign up for that. The class starts October 6th. Is that right?
0: Yeah.
2: And um, and mm. I'm going to let you share all of that at the end of the pod. We'll yeah. let you just do that. Um, but really quickly, since we only have you for just a few more minutes, I think, um, we should probably get to the three items for the unruffle toolbox. Yes. Yes. Yay. This is the part of the yes. show where yeah, you get to share some tools or some things that you use that help
0: to keep you unruffled.
2: And um,
0: what do you, what do you have for us? One is um, the poet John O'Donohue, mm-hmm. uh, who I've just resonated with for since 2007. And listening to him on audio has been a he- he deeply grounding and calming. And there's an there's a interview that we can link to on um, on being where he talks to Krista Tippett.
1: Um, I love that interview. Yeah. Ooh, I yes. heard that
0: one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've listened to that a couple of times. Yeah. So, and then you can also get his books on Audible and, and download them. But just really hearing his voice is a deep, deep soul. And um, I feel a spirit around. So um, that's one. Okay. Another one is. I, can't emphasize enough the physicality of moving your body. I, I was talking, I, I, this past year I've been learning how to run, which I've never been someone who could jog or do anything like that, <clears throat> but moving, how to move, learning how to run and have actual vigorous exercise. They called it like my, the guy that at the gym whose class I take, he's, he was saying, you know, if you have 22 minutes of vigorous exercise every day, it will relieve anxiety and depression. It's a study show that it, it releases all those endorphins, and it mm-hmm. it really does psychologically. It's like it's different than say taking a yoga class. It's different. Move, than move a muscle, change a mood. Is that the phrase? Yeah. I think. No, yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it it's no joke. It clears mm-hmm. my head, even if it's just half an hour. And I always think I can't do it, and then I do it, and I, you know, with the right pacing, you know, starting in sort of twenty second intervals. But my gosh, it's, a, it's been a game changer for mental clarity and um, calm. So it has been a big part of relieving my anxiety when I've had it before. Oh, so I, I really take that seriously. I feel it now if I don't have some exercise. So um, and then the, a, a recent discovery that I feel has been a game changer for me that I really resonate is um, Tiffany Hahn's podcast, Raise Your Hand, Say Yes. Oh. I yeah I discovered that only about a month ago and I'm like boom <laughs> speaking my language <laughs> like just like do it just do it and I I felt i listened to it just before you know in the final phases the final week or two of getting pushing the course out like this has got to come out and be it you know, and I really, I'm like, God, I wish I'd been listening to the past. She's been doing it for four years. I wish I'd been Mm -hmm. listening for years. So that, you know, that kind of just do it. And you have to just, that's kind of the way I approach my work and making and just get, let's do this, you know, let's get into it and be real. And, you know, So that's been, I really, really love that.
2: She's great. She is, um, I'm part of her Inner Circle year-long group coaching. So it's just ending this month. We had our last module. I think we have our last class tomorrow, Um, but she's taking applications and doing her new Inner Circle work for next year. They start, I think, October 1st. So you two have some things launching at the same time, Sabrina. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, she's a gem. Oh well, I would just thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to yeah, make sure people can this great. Yeah, can find you and um. So your website is Sabrina Ward Harrison dot info. I n f o. Yep, and then Room in the Trees the Podcast dot com right.
0: Yep, and how do they find out about Untether? They can go to my website and click on online course or my it's a link is in my bio on instagram which is probably the best way to be to follow and and keep up with me so that's just at sabrina s-a-b-r-i-n-a-w-a-r-d-h-a-r-r-i-s-o-n yeah yeah and you have
2: a video that people can watch and see mm-hmm. what's included or what's it what it, it's the
0: trailer for it Oh, yeah. And each week is gonna have be a different from a theme from each one of the five books I've done. So the first one is gonna oh, have neat. all these tones and visuals of spilling open and I'm gonna be reading from Spilling Open and telling stories about that and then you know, Brave on the Rocks and Messy Thrilling Life and The True and the Questions and the Stories Happening. So So it's a month long course? It's a month long course, but it's okay. it's can be self paced also. So it's gonna be this is the first one through will the where I'll be live with everybody and so I may offer it probably twice a year.
2: I love oh, it. Oh cool. Yeah. I like how you said um we will untether we will be a tribe and the course begins October sixth and that it's introvert
0: friendly. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> introvert friendly. This is <laughs> that's int introvert friendly, yeah.
2: I think most yeah. online courses, yeah, that's a good disclaimer, uh, introvert friendly. Yeah, you can do it when you right. feel like it. You don't have to do it live if you're freaked out.
0: No. Oh. But you and have there's not this... tons of assignments and everything or anything like that. You yeah. have this beautiful um, blooming
2: that you're doing right now, Sabrina. You know, more and yeah. more. Like you've been doing it your whole life, especially with your art, but it's like the, you have this whole new perspective, I'm sure. And like mm. you said, this clarity and kind of, don't want to waste a minute I'm sure
0: yeah, yeah
2: yeah well thank you very much for coming on the show today and allowing us to to be the place where you could share this thank you for having me and
0: I just am so grateful for the work both of you are doing oh, thanks thank, thank you, you have a beautiful yeah. day yes okay, okay much bye. love bye-bye
2: The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.